Hey folks, Dre Harrison here. This isn't quite the M101 podcast just yet. I just wanted to add a quick editor's note to the top of the show before we really get rolling here. This is a special edition of the show focusing on MotoGP and a season preview for its season that was, well, originally meant to start this weekend. However, unfortunately, since the time we recorded this last Wednesday, we've since found out due to the... uh, alarming spread of the coronavirus in multiple countries including Italy a key player in the championship for obvious reasons Ducati, Pramac, Aprilia etc. Qatar has cancelled their top flight MotoGP round um, this weekend. Moto2 and 3 will still race there uh, this weekend because they're already in Qatar they had their test this past week um, the MotoGP teams, Paddock, etc., was meant to be flying out right about now, actually. But um, since then, since the 1,500-plus cases in Italy since then have now um, gone public, saying that, yeah, we've got a real outbreak on our hands here, Qatar wants to keep their country safe, which is more than understandable. Um, so as it stands right now, there will be no Qatar Premier Flight race, and Thailand's race, which was originally scheduled to be round two of the championship, has been postponed again due to the coronavirus. There is, they are talking about a possible postponement. It may end up back near its original slot near the flyaway round. So as it stands, it's an 18-round championship, maybe tw- maybe 19, depending on if they can get Thailand back in. Just wanted to make you guys aware before we really get going. Just bear that in mind. We don't mention it during the show because, obviously, we didn't have the news of this just yet. I've been Andre Harrison. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you guys at the end. Sayonara. He's so stupid, he comes across in front of me every single time you ever take. Where did you want me to go off the track? No! Stop talking to me in the braking zone! Guaranteed to be better than £45 entrance gear. Welcome back to Motorsport 101. That was exciting. Well, we as an intro, we'd have also accepted more dastardly than ever before. You love to see it. Shout out to shout out to Boogity Boogity in our Discord server. Welcome to episode 233 of Motorsport 101. And for those unfamiliar, it's me, Dre Harrison, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and host of the show. Welcome. Good to be back. Good to be He's back. He's back. Yes, yes. Woo. I'm back after a week away. Um, the bookie still claims my soul. I'm here only in like I'm here in in uh, body but not in spirit. Um, but I am back, and in what we get into, what we now affectionately named season preview season. I'll get more into that very very shortly. But in the meantime, with me as always, Mr. Ryan King. Hello, sir. Alexa, play Dasposito. Oh. Can we play the Eurobeat mix? <laughs> this is going to be a long intro sequence, isn't it? Like it's just going to be like how many Das puns can we uh, slot into the first ten minutes of the show? Is that going to be the guys? I'm trying. I'm trying to pull my steering wheel towards me, and it's it's not doing anything. Please help. <laughs> 
Uh, it's it's a Mercedes. Persevere. I'll say if it longs if it lasts longer than four hours, please call the doctor. Um, hello, RJ. How you doing? Um, good that I'm not locked out of my own home for a change. I think this is like <laughs> the second time before I've recorded an episode that I've accidentally managed to lock myself out of my own house. Uh, <laughs> this time it was because the key that I had actually fell off the key ring. This is not where oh you know I just left my key at home, locked the door behind me, and forget to bring my key with me. Uh, this was something else entirely. I learned to be a lockpick on the fly. Go me. <laughs> oh, so like, yeah, so like, I, I love that I didn't even, I was, I was about to introduce, like, as to why we're recording at 9.30 tonight, GMT, rather than 8.30, but I oh, just completely stole my thunder. I'm cool with that. I, I love the self-ether. You, lo- like, you, you love to see it. Um, so while, uh, RJ plots his next plan as a criminal mastermind, say hello to Cam Buckley, everybody. Hello, everyone. Oh, I feel like shit. I don't, I can't even make a pun. I feel so terrible right now. Yeah, sadly, sadly, Cam has has uh, guys the coronavirus, and we're all in the shit, basically. Um. Yeah. Um. Good thing is the uh, Animal Crossing New Horizons slash Doom Eternal fandom crossover is giving me strength. <laughs> I love that both their social medias have just been all about helping each other out. Uh, like, in the spirit of gaming, which is often an awful industry with a lot of shit, anyone that subscribes to Jim Sterling will tell you all about this, uh, like I do. And Triple uh, A. <laughs> uh, we have all the wholesomeness instead of... Uh, <laughs> Of uh, Doom Eternal Animal Crossing helping each other out. You'll have yeah. to see it. Um, and uh, yeah, beyond that, I'm still trying to figure out how some people are saying that's not a pink W10. More on that later. More, more, <laughs> more on that later indeed. Um, so, as I said earlier on the top of the show, we are in what I like to call season preview season. Hashtag. See? I, I, I'm going to be a social media admin before you know it. That's S-Z-N-P-R-V-U-W-S-Z-N. I, I believe they have that, right? It's the, it's the, it's the millennial spelling. Um, <laughs> but yes. It's, okay, boomer. It's, 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 it's like... <laughs> I love this one. It's sweet as well. I can't believe it's not Mercedes. I had to get that in. That's, that's brilliant. Um, but uh, yes, well, I call this season preview season because that's exactly it. It's season preview season here. So, good news for you listeners of the show. No more two week breaks till December. Hooray! No Woo! more two weeks till breaks till the. Fi- oh shit! No more two week breaks till December. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> and it's hey, all hey, hey, It's well. okay though. Hey, we don't know. There might be some cancellations that give us a couple, a couple yeah. breaks God that we never saw Yeah, like some innocent, inop- inopportune breaks could be going down here very, very soon. We'll get into that in the news section very briefly in a minute. I will not confirm nor deny responsibility. <laughs> <laughs> Something along those lines. But yes, this week we'll be previewing the MotoGP season that kicks off next week. We'll be getting into all of that, the factories, the drama, uh, Marquez's bad shoulder, so on and so forth. We'll be getting into that in the main event of the show later on down the road. Uh, we'll also be getting into the news real quick. But this week, we'll be previewing MotoGP. Next week, hopefully, we'll be reviewing Formula One and IndyCar as well. And World Superbikes, they start their season this weekend as well in the beautiful Phillip Island. The best season opener on the calendar. God damn, I love Phillip Island. Um, so, well, that'll be this weekend. as well. We'll be talking a bit about that inevitably as well. Um, big, big hype. Sadly, we didn't have enough time to, to cram in a season preview over all of this, but let's just say it should actually be quite fun this year. 
Fingers crossed. Um, some beautiful livery. Fingers too. crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, hopefully Scott Redding is another shot in the arm where and picks up where Bautista left off. Fingers crossed. Anywho, so hopefully we'll be, we'll be previewing um, F1 and IndyCar next week. We'll, we'll, we promised we'd we, we get Chris back on here um, when he's finished with his uh, bad run of uh, <clears throat> discord of shenanigans. If you're, if, you're in a dis- <laughs> if you're in the sin bin, it's a fun time. Let's put it to you that way. Ask, ask one of us hosts to get in. Or oh, who knows, maybe you snuck in when King opened the gates during Daytona last week because he's such a gem. Who knows? It might happen for Marrakesh this weekend. Ooh, yes. Depends how generous King is feeling. He's he's in charge of Discord entries these days. So it depends how you feel. But yes, no more two-week breaks. Hooray! Hopefully. Uh, brackets, maybe. Again, we don't know with the calendar. But uh, places you can find us real quick. We're on YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We're on Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. We are on Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. And if you'd like to follow our personal handles, you can at Harrison101HD, at Ryan Eric King, that's with two Ks, at RJ O'Connell, and at Buckley 917 Just yank out the vowels, you'll figure it out, uh, basically. And if you really, really like us, you can back us financially on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Um, if, you, if you back us at the $5 level, you get early access to all of our shows before they're released to the general public. Up it to $10, and you can get into the supporters club of our Discord server. It's a super secret section where you can listen to these shows live as they go out and have a direct influence on the show. Isn't that fun? And chaotic. That alone is worth ten bucks a month, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, emphasis on the latter. Oh yeah, we had as many as fourteen in here earlier in the pre-show. It's not quite as many now because everyone's busy and stuff. But shout out to Toki. Shout out to Vic. Um, shout out to, to Asify as well. We got Vince in here. We have our friend of the show, Lewis Sutherby, in the Discord, ladies and gentlemen. Hey! Woo! Woo! Well, well we can't reveal his identity. <laughs> it's top. <laughs> well, that's a bit, bit late for that now. Friend of the show, <laughs> name redacted. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag Sky Sources, yeah. <laughs> but, hope, hope you guys enjoyed the show. Much appreciated. Uh, hope you guys stick around and enjoy. And yeah, hopefully you enjoy the show. And you can find all of those details and much more on our website, motorsport101.com. So, after this quick musical interview, we'll be back, and we're going to have a very express, rapid-fire version of the news. Um, lads... Um, so when do we hold Cam fully accountable for causing half the F1 calendar to cancel? <laughs> I have nice. the flu, not coronavirus. There's a distinction. Don't y'all miss swine flu? Swine no. flu? No, no. Swine flu. <laughs> swine flu epidemic. <laughs> Very good explanation. <laughs> you love to see it. So- Feel free to edit out my coughing. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, this show's this, this show this show's not going to go out to the middle of April at this rate. <laughs> I get that. Uh, yes. It's okay, neither are some of these races. Uh, yeah. King, you want to tell us everything that might be going away thanks to uh to the to what we affectionately know as coronavirus. So, I there's certain things I can't publicly reveal, but I'll I'll let I'll there there are things that have already been canceled. <laughs> Oh yeah, 
We're well, talking not just the postpo- indefinite postponement, likely cancellation of the Chinese Grand Prix, but apparently other events may be on the chopping block, too, in Formula One. Yes, where, uh, hey, our first ever outing to Vietnam, that might be not happening. Oh, that's a problem. Racing mm. in Italy, not just in F1, but in other series as well. Could yeah, be that is threat. on the questionable, but, yeah. but the promoters of of the uh, Romy Pre have made it known that they're still scheduled to happen. For now, I mean, they've already had a, a bit of a, a, a breakout in Italy. It's like they, they bought Heat Resistance 1 and just traveled to Italy on uh, Plague Inc. involved, but... Uh, well, Italy is known for having a lot of tourism, so... Yeah, can't say, can't say that's a massive rise. I mean, they, they had to cancel several uh, Serie A football games this past weekend. Inter's Europa League game, Ludigarets on Thursday, is being played under closed doors now. To, um, as a, so, yeah, it's uh, they're, they're trying to shut down a lot of this risk. On the Japan side of things, J-League games are being cancelled. Uh, Suzuka Circuit cancelled a motorsport fan festival that was set to go kick off on the first weekend of march and um and the head of the international olympic committee uh who should just go by richard richard pound has said yeah we've got three months to decide if we're going to have a tokyo olympics i love that the side note is that i love that he refers himself as dick pound and like he doesn't see the humor in this (laughs) please just go by richard for the love of god we're not mature enough to handle this as a species, okay? Like, <laughs> just Clearly. Thought, just thought I'd point that out by the giggling of King in the background. It's poetic, but yeah, like the, the Olympics are at risk. Several F1 races could potentially be at risk. And <clears throat> a lot of Formula E races could be potentially in trouble as well. So we're going to keep half an eye on it, basically. Um it's it's one of the, it's it's like one big giant game of wait and see at the moment. You know what I mean? It's uh... yeah, just like hoping this all just blows over. So you just, you just, you just go to the pipe and hope for it to all blow over, basically. But uh, <laughs> it, not, pretty much, I, I'm I'm not holding out too much hope on that one. Um, in, in other news, uh, Mercedes didn't find any new tricks this off season. Well, damn. No, Oof. actually, they've been they've been sitting on this trick for quite a while. Just when you thought the year before a major regulation change, Mercs might take their foot off the gas pedal a bit. They put it through the floor. They put it through the floor. Yeah, it's like, no, no, we want seven, damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Dual axis steering. Das. Look, they're they are th- they're one third they're one third behind Sony's PlayStation 3 controllers. They had sit satses. <laughs> <laughs> six axes. Yeah, we, 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 is, is that the plural? Hopefully, it works better than the six axis motion controls. Mm. I remember playing Layer. Oh, it's it. yeah. Like for those insiders, insiders that didn't know, I put put this out there on Twitter as a director's note earlier. We were one day away from this in this bombshell dropping during F1 testing. We recorded on the Wednesday. Mercs dropped this on the Thursday morning, so we were all as journalists. I mean, they didn't they didn't drop it. It's more like they couldn't hide that it didn't exist. Yeah, it's of like course they didn't. We have a driver. We have a driver pulling and pushing on the steering wheel. Yeah, it's like no one knows. It's like, look, why did the wheel suddenly turn in? It's like, ooh. <laughs> but uh, Toki, wherever you are, is about to be a crater. Pipe down, <laughs> and supporters general. 
yeah, uh, it's it's not pretty. Like I said, we we missed this by a day. So uh, us as the pseudo journalists yeah. we are, we're like, God damn it! <laughs> Basically, dual axis steering. This is uh this is a wild one. In effect, what Mercedes has done is create a system by which the drivers can adjust the toe angle of the front wheels at will while driving. Friend of the show, Chain Bear, has a very good explainer video on his YouTube channel on how this works. It basically allows them to go faster and reduce tire wear down the straights. It's great. Yeah, and if they want to, they can also keep temperature in the tires down the straights. Very helpful for places like uh, Baku. Hmm. Lewis Hamilton's going to run the table this year. <laughs> how many races constitutes running the table? The answer may surprise you at this point. <laughs> I can't wait for him to clean sweep the inevitable 13-race 2020 season. <laughs> oh, my lord. Yeah, I mean, lots of questions came up with the legality of the system because Article 10.2.3 in the Formula One technical regulations, you cannot change suspension geometry while the car is in motion. Well... Well, what's suspension geometry? (laughs) Well, funny you mention that because suspension geometry and steering are not linked within the regulations because, well, when you're steering, you're automatically going to be changing the suspension geometry because you're turning the wheels. And because the system is technically steering, and it doesn't say what you have to steer in the suspension, but it is steering, this is completely legal. This fits... Into a perfect and, loophole. And, and, the thi- and the thing is, Merck's were in contact with the FIA the entire time. They did not like they. they... But yeah, this is one of those FIA but here's loopholes. The thing. Here's the like, thing. It's it's illegal in next year's regulations, which were published in October. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, so you were saying? Yeah, so... that's kind of a confusing <laughs> thing here. Is that the FIA was notified of this loophole? Are you thinking? What did Mercedes ask out of just pure curiosity? Of course they're going to fucking abuse this loophole. Yeah. And the FIA bans it the next year? I I mean, so at the point in time where they published next year's regulations, for them to change, like last year October, for them in last year October to change this year's regulations, they would have needed unanimous agreement from the teams, which they wouldn't have gotten. Or, or it would have to have been a safety issue, which this wasn't, obviously. So, This sport is broken! <laughs> it is. But hey, on the, on the upside, Ferrari are very optimistic about their chances after preseason testing for a change. Uh... No, no, no. <laughs> Guys, I'm telling you, I'm telling, I'm telling you, it's a reverse psychology ploy. Just you wait, just you wait. Benotto already gave this car the mark of death. The supposed upgrade packages, which they were rumored they were going to get, the car isn't going to get. And today, Sebastian spun in the car. Ha ha, make your jokes. The car plowed all the way into the turn. And as soon as it was in the turn, the thing spun around. Congratulations, Mercedes. Might as well engrave them now. Not to mention they had an engine no. failure during the first half of the test as well. Oh, uh, they're actually using that engine this. They're they're using that engine this week. That was and a do, non um, catastrophic failure. And do we mention the weird Bonotto Vettel press conference? Uh, that was a complete we nothing can? burger. <laughs> well, like we're working towards a contract extension. Which seems very weird when, like, 
a lot of people remember like the last big Ferrari press conference they had with the driver, you know, over a decade ago with Michael Schumacher, where it's like, hey, Ferrari normally only does press conferences with a team principal and a driver, unless you know, like, they're not going to be with the team anymore. Yeah, that was the two. That was that was the, that was the two thousand and six retirement announcement at Monza. Look, I think Seb drove the car for five minutes and was just like, you know what? Fuck you and fuck the rest of <laughs> See, you. Are you saying that Matei is basically trying to talk him out of retirement right now? <laughs> it feels like it. It feels, it feels like, like it. it. Think about this, though. New team principal Sebastian Vettel come 2021. No, I think we make him the head of strategy. He did a good job yeah, in Germany he, he last year. He knows better than most of the fucking team does at this point. Uh, also, Racing Point have a pink Mercedes, as we discussed last week. Yes. It's yeah, and not wild. only that, they're still bitching about Haas's car model. Fight, 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 fight. Hello, Pot. This is the kettle calling. Um, <laughs> so, to me, the biggest development on the W on the W10D front is that Otmar Safnauer has made it pretty clear that uh, apparently the DOS system is available to them if they want it. Oh my oh god. Lance Stroll could actually win the Canadian Grand Prix this year. <laughs> no, let's let's not get ahead of ourselves. That car might be the second best on the grid, but Lance is still going out in Q1. I give him until Q2. Also, um, yeah, yeah, Racing Point has a pink Mercedes. Mercedes themselves <laughs> might be busted, and they may have more tricks up their sleeve, according to George Russell. Jesus. Yeah, and I, I want to say that as well, because... It's very easy to pinpoint something that's very visible, like the DAS system, and say, oh, that's that's a magic part that's going to give them so much lap time. It won't. That's just one detail. That isn't how this works. That is one factor on what is an incredibly impressive car. I mean, like, I, I think the DAS system isn't, you know, quote-unquote, the problem, I think it's the symptom of the problem when, like, Mercedes has so much resources at their disposal that they could <laughs> literally come up with a system like this, have it just sit on the shelf for a year, and they're like, maybe we should use this. Yeah, well, it's like when people said for years that, oh, Mercedes is only winning because of their engine, Honestly, when they were curb-stomping Red Bull around chassis tracks. Honestly, it's like playing Worms Armageddon, and then after turn eight, you have access to the holy hand grenade. This is just ridiculous. It's like... They had this in the back the whole time. Like, lads. L luckily, though, <laughs> luckily, though, we will not be done talking about manufacturers uh, using tricks to alter the geometry of their vehicles. More than that, North MotoGP oh, preview. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. More on but that. Again, the whole Mercedes is an impressive car. They've got an amazing driver. They've got an amazing team. It isn't just one thing, guys. No. Everything about this team is the best in the field at this point. Though, I, I do have to admit the DAS system is pretty OP. Visually, concept. it is very impressive to watch. Oh, God, it yeah. is, it is That's incredible. It's an, it is objectively an incredible piece of tech. Um, yeah. And speaking of the DAS system, um, another team spoke up about using the DAS system, or rather, supposedly why they didn't. Ferrari! Surprise! Take, take a guess. <laughs> They considered using DOS, but didn't see clarification with the FIA. Um, I don't know about you guys, but my bullshitometer just broke. Yeah, that sounds like uh, salt. <laughs> Look, if you're looking at a something to run in Formula One, 
and it's something of questionable legality. You either ask for a clarification and it gets banned, or someone's going to beat you to the punch. Your Ferrari! Do the damn thing! Nobody has more pull than you guys anyway, for God's sake! You have a technical veto! <laughs> and they thought, let's just keep it on the shelf! What is this team? No, no, we we don't want to run afoul of the rules. We'll play we'll play by the rules. <laughs> play by the Could rules. Could you Ferrari. imagine this? Ferrari fifteen years ago. Could you imagine them not taking advantage of a loophole? Ferrari, the harbingers of doom, the Darth Vaders of Formula One that bent every rule in the book, was collecting bonus checks left, right, and center, and had basically more power than every other team in the sport combined. And Matteo Bonotto is now being canned for, let me check my notes here, being too nice a guy. What is this team? Y'all, this is like the Lakers just aspiring to get in as a plucky 7 or 8 seed. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> this team and is like, a mess. And like what LeBron would do in that situation, they should trade everybody. Trade everyone now. Hashtag fuck them kids. <laughs> We're going to trade Charles Leclerc for 40 cents on the Alex dollar. Caruso has entered the chat. <laughs> so that's the Das Bomb, everybody. It, it absolutely will not get brought up when Merck's winning Australia by half a minute. Yeah, I don't think anything can really happen, but this is going to get protested into oblivion. And guys, anything is possible. Robert Kubica just set the fastest time today when we before we recorded. <laughs> oh, look, it's the Prost Grand Prix fan. I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of things that are shrunk, it's our year, baby! Oh, it's our god. year! He's back! Oh, god, oh lord. Why? Okay, let me cut to the chase here. Fernando Alonso is back for his third crack to even attempt to get into the Indy 500. He's one for one and on so far. In, in the strangest coincidence, yes, he is, he is driving for Aero McLaren Smith-Peterson. In, in their three-car attack on Indianapolis this year, he is their most experienced driver at the Speedway. Good lord. <laughs> that is, that, that's just weird. <laughs> now, you think, but wait, guys. Didn't they, he just break things off with McLaren, like, a month he ago? Did. He did! He, he left the But as, as it turns out, when he, when, he, uh, when he left to go chase that tail... He had to come crawling back a month later. He quit as an ambassador like a month ago. What the hell happened there then? I thought I read somewhere where he basically just laughed that story off. But I think what had ultimately happened was he wanted the Andretti seat. That couldn't get together because Honda of Japan said no. Uh, so Andretti cut a deal with Arrow McClare and SPN and said, Here, you can have Alonzo. You can give him a Chevy engine. And here, have Rough Mortgage as a sponsor just for the hell of it. Why not, right? Mm. <laughs> oh, Andre, you weren't here for it. Hinchcliffe and an Andretti. Woo! <laughs> the mayor is back in office. <sighs> Andre has just painted his entire area of effect white. <laughs> yes. Uh, Hinch is doing a part-time schedule at Andretti, which will include the 500 along with a number of other race dates, and it might include more depending on how it goes. Yeah, free for Hell now. Yeah. The Indy GP, the 500 itself, and Texas for now, apparently. So three rounds guaranteed, maybe more. Hooray! Um, I'm delighted the mayor's back in office, and um, also I found out last week that Schmidt-Peterson stopped following me and the podcast on Twitter, so I'm no longer obliged to be nice to them anymore. Um, <laughs> Wait, we were obliged to be nice to them? 
Look, <laughs> look, they gave us ja- they they gave us Jack Harvey as an interview. Thanks, old. It's okay. We can just go admin. to Andretti now. Yeah, just, he's, he's, he Mike. too is with Andretti now. Hey! Yeah, we can just call up Michael Shank. Sweet, he's 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 our new but boy. Yeah, it it is terrifying that there are going to be rounds outside of Indianapolis this year where Andretti Autosport will be fielding six, six cars. cars. They're going to have a quarter, a quarter of the, of the grid. What the hell? That's, that is that is mental to me. So they're, they're going. How did we let this happen? Just, 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 just because one more car. they're they're trying to use the game of numbers to override the American motorsport rule. Do they not know how the drivers' championship works? Oh, that's mental. They're gonna make it work. It's like, look, look, we we have so many dogs in this race, we can't lose. <laughs> Basically, enter Joseph Newgarden. Hey, and Alex Rossi. <laughs> Who, who apparently, Joseph, by the way, on the first list of published odds, is a uh, favorite to win the 2020 Indianapolis 500. Just because. It, it, it's because it's Joseph. You know, why not, right? <laughs> I mean, he's the, he's the only Penske driver lacking one. Sure. But, uh, no, like I said, it's Alonso is back. They've rehauled the team. Um, I know I was in this Discord yesterday when this first got announced. He actually broke the news on Sky Sports News, which I thought was quite cool. Um, they broke it live. Finally, Sky Sports gives a shit about IndyCar for a change. <laughs> first time for everything. Rare. Um, yeah. But, <clears throat> yeah, they've, they've got Craig Hampson, one of Sebastian, Bo- Sebastian Bourdais' longtime crew chief, uh, to run that car. So... No pressure on Fernando, especially if it looks like Ricardo Junkos' team is such in such dire straits that that bumper day run was effectively their proverbial spirit bomb. Yeah. Oh, Lord. Yeah, um, McLaren is not leaving this to chance like they were last year. That said, this t- the two prior teams that now make up this one team had hilarious preparation issues the past couple of years. Yeah, like, I, I was so like... They're not out of the woods. No, I was going to say, like, this is this is blatantly, like, one goes against the other here in the sense of it's like, on one hand, you have universally regarded as one of the best race engineers and crew chiefs for the 500 in the field. Also, your team has been in a bit of a hot mess for the last two years and a very much a mixed bag when your headline driver has been yanked around God knows how many times um, in your last two years' worth of attempts. Um, so, safe to say SBM has been a bit of a mixed bag over the last few years. Um, so, who knows how this turns out. On the other hand, though, Robert Wickens is back on that treadmill, and he is ready to run down Tony Kanaan, so help him. Because <laughs> <A great laughs> there is only one Robert Wickens. God bless that man. Him him walking on a treadmill alongside Tony Kanaan, who... I actually got his age wrong on this Discord about half an hour ago. I thought he was only 42. He's 45, Tony Kanaan. He's 45 years old, and he is still super fit. The man, like, I know he still runs triathlons in, his, in, in like, part-time on the side, and I still remember a story of seeing him on Sports Science when basically his idea of a warm-up was laying on his couch horizontally but keeping his neck and his head in the air while watching TV. That's the sort of fitness Bruh. freak that Tony Kanaan is. Um, so, 
yeah, try try that next time you're at home and see how long you can last. Basically, like like, like that sounded wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, lay that on your couch and see how long you last. Yeah, that that sounds like my last Tinder date. Um, but, uh, <laughs> please but, please back <laughs> us and get into the sin bin for more lines like that. Remember, if you're not sinning, Jesus died for nothing. <laughs> Speaking of futile uh, career sacrifices, um, King um, Red Bull has a new junior driver. Oh my! I, I I'm surprised. I mean, I mean, I, I guess they needed a junior driver, but I guess Daravala will have to do. Shayhan yes. Daravala, the modern day Maharaja of Formula oh, Two, yeah. is yes, is now. Uh, is now the the last driver to be confirmed. Technically, it was Roy Nissany, but we knew we he was knew. signing with Trident. Um, so it's Daravala, new Red Bull Jr. at Carlin, and Marino Sato, no relation, no relation, no relation, at the other seat at Trident. So now we have a full Formula 2 grid, y'all. And it is looking very stacked. Um, I'm surprised by the number of uh, non-Western Europeans. It is... Bit startling that there are three Brazilians, three Japanese drivers, yeah. uh, three Russians. Uh, it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, the championship is genuinely wide open. Pretty much, there is you could narrow it down to maybe ten guys who could win the championship. All aboard the Dan Ticton People's Champion Wagon. We do this ironically. We what? don't actually. Do I, want this. Off. <laughs> I want off. I want off. I want off now. I did not sign up for this. Yeah, like half the grid is true rookies in their first full seasons. Yeah, this is yeah. like the this first time in a while Formula Two has had to genuinely push the reset button on the grid, and uh, it'll be it'll be more fun for it, I reckon. Yeah. Speaking of Formula Three, they are slowly refilling their ranks, and King. Your your favorite female ambassador in junior formula is here. Chadwick Sirt. <laughs> oh, I said the jokes. All the jokes. All the jokes I can Look. come out with here. Oh Lord. Look. The tone with which you said that. Oh Lord. Oh my my, my my eyes look like a Christmas. This is a visual medium, but my eyes look like a fucking Christmas tree. Look. Look. I will say that Sophia Flores, who has joined Campos Racing in Formula 3, is a very talented driver. Yes, she's very talented and deserves this opportunity. We don't don't agree with the fact that she is tearing other women in her profession down to try and prove a point that she can play with the big boys, and that's the only valid way to gain recognition. Also, please stop Instagramming while driving, but it's great to see her get this (laughs) opportunity. Yeah, about that. Yeah, but that's that's very good to see. Um, and obviously, we're hoping she does well, and maybe this might, you know, change her attitude a bit. Yeah, Goodbye, yeah. So, Lord. <laughs> but yes, to to clarify, Sophia Flores will be in Formula Three this season with Campos, who uh, haven't had the best of times uh, since the the merger. Of GP3 and European Formula 3, where the last GP3 season, they were third in the team's championship. Last season, they were dead last in the championship. Alex Peroni, her teammate, got all of their points in 2019. All five of them. Despite, you know, Monza. Yeah, despite that happening. Yeah. 
Also, if Logan Sargent doesn't pan out, we do have another American King and Cameron Dawes who's racing for Carlin Buzz Racing. We, we yeah, have two Americans in Formula We have a backup plan. <laughs> you love to see it. Just in case one of them goes full Ferrucci on us, and you never want to go full Ferrucci. You just don't. The Americans have come prepared I mean, if you go full Ferrucci, if you go full Ferrucci, you might get your dick sucked on NBCSN. <laughs> oh my lord! And and just to and just to clarify, Alex is not related to uh, Ferrari legend Didier, uh, because Didier's surname was spelled with two eyes instead of an E and an I. Oh dear, oh dear. But yay, Sophia's here. Woo, that's fun. Cam, the floor is yours. The last news point here has the WEC in it, so I thought I'd leave it to you. The WEC stinks. <laughs> are, are you happy? Are all of you Toyota naysayers happy? That is was a this, joke. Is this what you wanted when you were griping about Alonzo hogging too much of the spotlight? Oh, is my God. Okay? So, so, so is what this we've, how you what, wanted rebellion racing to overcome? Yeah. So, so in effect, what what happened is the the FIA they dropped a piano on the Toyotas again, again. Then they dropped a um, a table on what was it? The seven Toyota got a bigger handicap, which was worth something like nine tenths of a second more handicap than its sister car because that makes sense. For clarity, this is the Kobayashi Conway Lopez car. Yeah. And um, it was almost unwatchable. The Toyotas were having to lift and coast almost halfway down the back straight Dakota. Like, I like the idea of there being parity between factories and privateers. This isn't parity. This, is, this, this was really created. Isn't. No, this was created solely so it's impossible for Toyota to sweep the season. I don't want Gustavo Menezes and Bruno Senna to have success <laughs> like this. And you know Toyota are just going to pick up points and try and ride this out until they get all the ballast taken off at Le Mans, so that way they can just take the title there anyway. Yeah, I mean, it, it pretty much devalues the championship. I, I, I wasn't going to say that, but I'm glad you said it, King. <laughs> yeah, the, the championship is worthless, because realistically, uh, all Toyota needs to do is ride it out, go to Le Mans with double points... And then it swings back the other way, and Toyota will lap the Rebellions a couple of times. Can't believe Kenta Yamashita is giving up his Super GT career for this shit. So, am I right in saying now that the BOP from the WEC is now so bad, they basically have a direct influence on who wins every given... given no, because race? it's not BOP. That's what they're... The, the success balance is doing exactly that. They're trying to have yeah. a direct influence on who is capable of winning the next race. Yeah, it's and, on a it's not on a team by team basis. It's on a per car basis. That's ridiculous. And it's based purely on where you finished in the last race. Yeah, forgive me, guys. I'm, I'm not the most educated WEC fan in the world. I'm not really the big sports guy. It's understandable but... because it's an overly complex bullshit system. Yeah, it doesn't bother trying to balance the cars. It just tries to make it so it's impossible for a team to sweep a season. Are you happy now, everybody that bitched and moaned that Toyota had a win now button under their desk all of last season? And, and watching watching those cars in comparison, I actually I got into a discussion earlier earlier this morning about LMP1 and watching the laps, watching the onboard of these cars a few years ago, and then watching the Toyota. The Toyota can barely boost. When it does boost, it's not very powerful. 
And then they have to lift off the throttle halfway down the straight. You swapped out your Toyota Supra for a Toyota Publica. Ugh. It's a, it's a Prius at this point. It's not even the Prius from Super GT. Another series that has much better success ballast than this WEC. Is the, this is the original Prius that, despite being fully tuned in GT2, is still stuck with barely 100 horsepower. Dear <sighs> Christ almighty, this sounds terrible. I saw clips of the timing screens and I winced. I was like, how is this a thing? <sighs> yeah, and beyond that, I mean... The pace gulf between the lead Toyota, the number eight car, and the Rebellion was so great that the Rebellion drivers were openly saying, yeah, we can take it easy in traffic. We don't have to push. Oh, my Lord. Which then takes one of the main elements out of multi-class racing. They can afford to sit and wait in traffic because it doesn't make a difference. Gustavo Menezes, Norman Nato, and Bruno Senna are all very good drivers, and I'm assuming good people. They don't need to be winning like this. Same with Aston Martin, who cleaned up all the GT classes because finally something had to go right for them for a change. <laughs> for a change. Yeah. And that leads me to my next point. Um, the other classes. LMP2? It was okay. It kind of depends yep. on whatever tire manufacturer you're on now. But it was uh, okay. Sky, Sport, Sky Sports pundit Paul DeResta got another victory. That's back-to-back for him. Yeah, that's oh three boy. wins in a row for that's a three wins in a row for Sky Sports F1 pundits because Anthony Davidson won in Shanghai. Neat. Well, there you go. Uh, GTE Pro Porsche got kneecapped. Aston Martin destroyed the field. Jimmer's dad has now won three of the last four with Aston Martin racing, and it doesn't even matter. Yeah, it's come to this. Uh, the B. It, it's gotten to the point where the GT classes can't even save WEC from the mediocrity. We don't want to be like this all the time. WEC should be really awesome. We remember when it was really good. That was just five or four years ago. There, four or five years ago, there was a legitimate question if WEC had the best racing product on Earth. Now, now it is, it's, it's unwatchable. And it got even the, the news about Aston Martin bailing on Hypercar got even more interesting over the last week. So, uh, Cam, how much would it take to build somebody an IMSA spec DPI and sell it to them? I'm thinking with a cost-capped LMP2 tub, with a supply of production-based engines for the year, and their own bodywork, uh, between one and two million dollars. How much is Aston Martin trying to sell one of their Valkyrie hypercars to customer teams? Aston Martin was asking... And budgeting their program around selling customer Valkyrie race cars for something like $3.2 million. Almost three times as much as a DPI. Almost eight times as much as an LMP2. But hey, Toyota is sticking with the hypercar program, and Scuderia Glickenhaus are going to be damned if they're going to let Aston Martin sully their good name so that yeah. they can be fed to Toyota next season, assuming this all kicks off to begin with. But, yeah, because listen, just... A bit of a throwback. Back when Hypercar's original form was revealed and fell flat on its fucking face, the ACO had a plan B. What do you think that plan B was? Was it Lamar Daytona Hose Mad? F pretty much. It was, fuck it. We need cars. Get the DPIs over here. And then Aston Martin committed, and they had to completely retool the regulations around the Valkyrie. They jacked the power outputs up. They had to accommodate a whole different kind of car. 
Well, Not knowing that they knowing that they didn't have the money until Daddy strolled back in all those bags of cash and that investments. <laughs> oh my god! And because LMDH, a customer LMDH program, which remember can run on. Not only in IMSA, but in WEC, and is balanced, because that's much, much cheaper than what the Valkyrie would have been, the Valkyrie Customer Racing Program suddenly has no fucking market. Yep, no customers. (laughs) Because why would you spend that much when you could just spend a lot less and be just as fast? This is ridiculous. This is a complete and utter joke. All Aston did was cost people a whole lot of money, waste a whole lot of time, and show up with fucking nothing for it. So, is this a good time to remind you that uh, Sebring is next month? Actually, it is, because I'm looking forward to it. Because we will get the final form of the LMDH technical rules, and Peugeot will make their decision on whether they switch from hypercar and go to LMDH. So, what we're saying is... 12 hours of Sebring next week, and assuming COVID-19 doesn't hit Japan too hard, Super GT starts the month after. All good alternatives to the WEC. So is watching paint dry. (laughs) Alternately, go on their YouTube. Watch the races with Audi, Porsche, and Toyota. They're far more fun. Sounds like a plan. Gentlemen, should should we start reviewing some bikes? Oh, the main event. (laughs) The main event of the evening. The moment you've all been waiting for. Let battle commence. It's time for the MotoGP season preview. Something, something. Are you ready, Boots? Right. (laughs) Yes, I remember that from from when I was like 13 years old. Go me. Right. So here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to go factory by factory, and then we'll we'll, we'll tackle some of the independents under the same banner as we go along. But uh, yeah, this is our 2020 MotoGP season preview. Season starts next weekend at Qatar. We had had a test just this past week, and uh, surprise, Yamaha clean swept the whole goddamn thing. Um... So uh, yeah, a lot of hype, a lot of hype, a lot of excitement in the Yamaha camp. They've already got their 2021 plans all but confirmed, barring some guy in yellow. But we'll get to them in just a little bit. We'll go from the top, the reigning triple crown holders and champions, Honda. And uh, well, if you uh... if you could have imagined a messier off season, I'd have loved to have seen it because uh, look. Look, they've got more messed up shoulders than a mid two thousand Chicago Cubs pitching staff at this point. <laughs> Wait, you're not, you're so oh. so you're telling me Hermanos Marquez ain't here to conquer the world? This okay, barring the last two hours of the last day, this was bad. This was bad. This was real, real bad. Marquez had to ha- Mark Marquez had to have surgery on his shoulder in the off season, and it's basically had a, having a deja vu moment from last year. Only this time, the recovery didn't quite go as well as last year's. Um, so he, he admitted by yeah, the time has a trap nerve. Yeah, a trap nerve in his shoulder, and it turns out that uh, by the time they got the, the, the Sepang test um, to start the year, he was he said himself he was only at about sixty percent. Um, and this is a big deal for Mark because those epic shoulder saves he specializes in, um, the genuine X factor in his riding ability, 
isn't there yet. Um, it's going to it's going to take some work before that goes back towards 100%. He's still not 100% coming off this latest test in Qatar. The season starts in a week and a half's time. Um, and it didn't help that the development of the bike was a mess to get to this point. Cam, tell us more. Aero on a bike is very, very difficult. Because, of it course, really is. aero on a motorcycle, and that is the big trick in MotoGP these days, just look at the bikes, it changes depending on what rider's on the bike, and just a whole number of factors that you don't really get into play on a car. And like, as we like found out... Like buttons on a handlebar. Mm, Wait, wrong manufacturer, sorry. Yeah, and as it turned out, Honda fucked the 2020 aero pretty damn badly. The bike was visibly just a mess. Cal Crutchlow, Mark Marquez, and Alex Marquez were all having to ride the bike scared. I think Cal Crutchlow said he was having to ride quite amateur just to stay on it. Which, to be fair, was like the second most provocative thing he said this offseason. Are you okay, dude? <laughs> More on that potentially later. Yikes. But uh, the Honda was visibly... Just We know this bike is already a little bit of a mess because of the way they have to feed their engine. They have to feed their engine air directly through the steering head of the frame, and that destroys the front end of the frame. It's not And, yeah. And when you stack the rider who can brute force that problem, one, Mark Marquez, when he has a shoulder injury that is keeping him from making his miraculous saves, and you add poorly correlated arrow on top of that, even he couldn't get the bike under control. So what we're saying is that Mark Marquez only clinches the title with one round in hand instead of three or four? Well, funny you mention that, because on the final day of testing, Honda said, hmm, Nakagami isn't complaining much. Let's take his bike. <laughs> Takaki Nakagami, by the way, who is also coming off of shoulder surgery that cut his season short at Motegi. Yeah. There's like basically... Five healthy shoulders between four riders going into this going into this season. All of them belong to Alex Marquez. Pretty much. Somehow. Alex Marquez is Goro from Mortal Kombat. <laughs> <laughs> he has he has six he has six he has six arms. Thank you, RJ, for killing me mid podcast. <laughs> but uh, they put Mark on Nakagami's bike, and suddenly a lot of those problems weren't there anymore. This got the engineering heads at Honda thinking. So they spliced the 2019 uh, fairing with 2019 winglets onto the 2020 frame, and lo and behold, it fixed a lot of the bike's problems. The question is, has it come around too late? Because they, they're going to be doing a lot of That's running in FP1 they're, next week. It, it's similar to what happened with McLaren in the 2020 preseason, where they based their whole preseason around a certain exhaust layout that kept blowing up. And at the end, they just had to throw it away and copy Red Bulls. Basically. They're having to pretty much start from square one in terms of the bike because Arrow affects a whole lot of things. Of course. I don't expect the first race to go too great for them. If you'd offered Mark Marquez a podium in the opening round, he'd bite your arm off for it right now. Mostly because he needs the shoulder, but, but still, just <laughs> metaphorically and literally, he'd probably take it. I mean, the one blessing for Marquez and the Honda camp here is that 
the early rounds in the calendar favour them. Marquez is always at his absolute strongest the first two or three rounds. He's got this, yeah. he's got Cota, and he's got Argentina. Um, arguably, his two best circuits are second and third rounds on the calendar. Um, yeah, he is unassailable around Argentina. When his bike doesn't blow up, he's unassailable around Cota. Yeah. That's, and that's a I think that while they're optimizing the hybrid bike... I think those rounds are really going to have to be what's saving them early in the season. Uh, oh, yeah. And also, Thailand becomes before Argentina and Coda. Is, oh, is yeah. that a good Marquez track? He's pretty, mm. pretty good round there as well. Yeah. One last year. Small, yeah, sam- just... small sample size, but yeah. He's... Dare I say it? Quattararo first win. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll mm. get in that in Yamaha, but yeah, it, I mean, no surprise that Mark Marquez was like less than even money when I saw the first odds for MotoGP wagering things, right? Basically, what I'm curious about, um, I'm curious about how Alex Marquez is going to get along on this Honda. Alex Marquez told, called the test a disaster. Oh, that's encouraging. <laughs> yeah. Um, as said, Cal Crutchlow was scared to ride the thing. The, everyone who was on the 2020 Honda before they uh, made their arrow breakthrough was, well, they were looking like deer in the headlights. Yeah, if, if you looked at Cal Crutchlow's long run times, they were apocalyptically bad. Like, bottom, end, like bottom half of the field bad. Like, that's what we're talking here. So, yeah. Which is really what a guy who is about to turn 35 in October really needs to try and keep his place on the grid for 2021 and beyond. His his dedication to Honda might be the only thing that keeps him alive if the, if this if this bike is is not improved rapidly. It's going to be hard for them going forward. Like I said, the, the team is all dinged up. They're going like their worst track of the year is the opening round. Like the the like and as 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 Cam just pointed out, the Marquez brothers PR machine was not working very well this time around when when Mark was trying to damage control. And Alex was basically said the test was a disaster. Um so I don't think Alex ever got the uh the hybrid of the twenty nineteen and twenty twenty bikes. So he would say that. Yeah, it's like, you know I think Mark is the only one who got to sample that. Kind of makes sense. It does make put sense. Put your eggs in that basket. I mean, they, they they fixed it with two hours of the test to go. You know, so they would they would they didn't have yeah. the time to. And even so, it. the fact that it was an immediate improvement and they basically have to throw away their whole baseline is pretty telling on how broken the 2020 era was. Yeah, an unmitigated disaster. Um, if, if you're if you're basically scrapping out an entire off season's worth of era development with two hours to go on their final test. Um, and as Lewis just pointed out in the chat, you're given a, a rookie. A resident insider. Yes. <laughs> if you're given a rookie a brand new bike while he's still trying to learn the nuances of the sport itself, it is a very bad sign. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Alex has no baseline because this is his first year in MotoGP. And we all know about how notoriously bad the Honda is with rookie riders. Mm. That was before this season started. That was before this offseason came into play. Yeah, we can safely say that Honda has a more stable Superbike World Championship program than they do a MotoGP program. How did that become the a thing? thing? <sighs> I don't know how it happened. They finally replaced an 11-year-old motorcycle. Cutter will be bad. I expect them to get better as the year goes on. 
Yeah, that's the thing. This is historically a fairly weak track for them. I say that as Mark came second here last year because that was his worst result he's, last year. Uh, he's been beaten by like a grand total of 15 feet in the last two years. Like, bad is relative. Look, when you're talking about, we're talking about Mark Marquez, bad is relative. Yeah, he's carrying all of Honda on his shoulders, good or bad. Yeah, it's it's very much a wait and see because we really don't know what the Honda bike is going to be like when we get to Qatar. Yeah. On the other hand, he's reportedly getting nine figures with his latest contract <laughs> yeah. extension. Oh, yeah. Happy four-year <laughs> extension, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> According to Simon Patterson of, of uh, the expletive, um, <coughs> as we like to nickname him here, um, the, apparently that four-year contract was rumored to be the first nine-figure contract in the history of MotoGP, meaning... It could be something north of twenty-five million pounds a year. That's a, that's a baseball money. Yeah, yeah, dudes get dudes getting that Giancarlo Stanton money. <laughs> that's, yeah, they're saying that is like the low end of that estimate is apparently twenty-five. If that a doesn't year. tell you how dependent Honda is for Mark to carry their busted frame motorcycle to wins, I don't know what does. It's it's the whole shed at this point, basically, and as, as Lewis points out. He's, he's had to carry all the development going forward because Alex has learned in a bike and Lorenzo was effectively useless last year. Um, so it's 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 a carry job. But if there's one man that can do such a thing as proven by last season, it's Mark. He's probably still going to win the championship, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. We're talking about all of this and he's probably going to win the championship with like two races to spare. The only, the only difference is that as we'll get to very very briefly in a minute the margin of error is going to be a lot smaller for Honda this year by the sounds of it even if they're even if they're they've, if they've solved some of their 29 2020 development problems it looks like you know teams like Yamaha and Suzuki have made significant gains in their off season so and let's not forget Mark while, do, while he was obviously dominant last year he didn't dominate on track by a, by a number of seconds in a lot of these rounds. There was a lot of races where he had to earn... There was a whole lot of playing with his food. To a degree, but, you know, those dog fights, he did lose a couple of them. Remember Silverstone and how pissed he was after he lost that one to Alex Rins? He was mad as hell. He's not going to have that margin of error like this season. So that could easily play into things. Watch how he still wins the title by 50 points. I don't know about that one. <laughs> All aboard the Yamaha hype train. We'll get it. Yeah, should we get into the Yamaha hype train now? This is now <laughs> this is a team that has basically lined up all their ducks in a row and have now laid out a full assault for the next two years in MotoGP. We are, yeah, this is very much a team in transition into just full war mode. Yeah, for those guys that have not been paying attention to the podcast in the last month, I'll I'll give you a quick wrap wrap up for you. Yamaha was the first team to confirm their 2021 lineup. Um, already, and they they tied down Maverick Vinales, who always likes to get his deal signed early to avoid such speculation. Also helps he's moving to Qatar to live there full time, basically to train at the circuit. That's a committed man right there, because who thinks I'm going to relocate my <laughs> life to, to one Qatar. event? <laughs> <laughs> but yes, Maverick Vinales is going to basically now spearhead this Yamaha team at least for now, with Fabio Quattararo as his teammate in 2021. So, uh, yeah, Yamaha lining up all their ducks in a row. We don't know what Valentino Rossi is going to do. That's going to be the big question mark for 2021. What's Valentino Rossi's future going to involve? This year, Fabio is on a full factory bike with full factory support. 
indeed. And they've got Jorge Lorenzo in the back, uh, working on development as a test rider. Two of the greatest riders of, you know, the last uh, The fastest the last man to ever years. ride a Yamaha. The fastest man to ever ride a Yamaha, and um, more championships pending the GOAT developing the bike. Yes. So, that... They have to make something happen this year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I think back to those years where they seemingly had an overwhelming bike advantage and couldn't do anything with that. Yeah, that's the thing. They couldn't do anything in 2016 when their bike was far and away the best one, and they had Rossi and Lorenzo riding the bike. They've had six wins in the last three years. They need to make something happen. I'm honestly, still, I'm honestly still stunned. Lynn Jarvis is still employed. Yeah, that's that's an astounding. Act. Yeah, six mm. wins since 2017. How much of those are Maverick? Five of them. There was five of them. Wow. Yeah. So and so, like this is a team that, yeah, absolutely right, is in transition. It needs to be because where they are at right now is shit. Like it is objectively shit where they're they at. They are right pouring now. in too much resource. They have too much talent to be coming up nearly winless every year. Right. This is an incredibly talented team. Maverick was super fast in testing. His race pace was described by other riders in the paddock who shall remain nameless as <clears throat> scary. Um, was what they were doing. Was what they were saying to describe the long run pace of Maverick and Fabio. Do not be surprised if Yamaha starts the year hot, like very hot. Um, maybe even first win for Fabio, sort of hot basically first wins for fabio more like <laughs> by the way who has uh, a lot of expectations put on him after the best rookie season of anybody not named mark mark has this past decade pretty much and yeah. like it, it's it's worth pointing out here and I'm, i said this towards the end of last season he's not going to get the same level of slack this season in year two for not converting any of the six pole positions he had last year into wins especially when Especially when last year he was leading so many laps, and then on the final lap, they get onto the main straight, and Marquez wouldn't coast. Yeah, it's it was actually scary, the power difference between Honda and Yamaha on many of those dogfights we had last year. Mark could pull the pin whenever he wanted to, um, and uh, he ended up doing so in the end. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> it, it is quite scary, but they seem to have lined a lot of this up. They, 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 their development has gone very well. Uh, the Yamaha camp is probably the most positive it has been about their own bike in a good three or four years, certainly since Maverick joined the team. Um, yeah, this is the best Yamaha has looked since, you know, Maverick opened up his Yamaha career, looking like he was going to just blow everyone away for the title, and then they fell off a cliff. Yeah. So this is actually looking very promising for Yamaha so far, which inevitably means they'll shit the bed somewhere and not win anything. Obviously, Cam's dogs didn't like that very much. <laughs> I think Cam's dogs want to talk about Franco Morbidelli because I feel He's like in the midst here, of all... He? Yeah, he really is. It's like the really, really solid Frankie Morbidelli is like the fourth like the fourth entity on the Yamaha camp. <laughs> And he, he's a guy that was, like, racking up top six finishes all throughout the end of last season. 
Exactly Do you think fun. he's in, in line for his first win? Because I know got, I know we're all hyping Cordoraro, but let's not forget he is a Moto Two World Champion. I think um, the reduced expectations on Morbidelli might actually help him. Mm. It, it would help. I don't think the first win is coming. I, I think like I, I I think Lewis points out even the first podium would be a step forward for Frankie, and I think that's certainly on the table if Yamaha has a good day of the track. I don't, I'm don't. i not sure about wins, because I think Fabio did outclass Morbidelli during a lot of last season. That's what's got my doubts you going. You think? Uh, well, yeah, kind of a given, really. But, you know, six pole positions kind of says a lot. I mean, when, you can, when you're starting up the front every every other round, effect, effectively, and starting on the front row virtually every race in the weekend, it makes your life a lot easier. Um, so I don't think the first win is on the table. Certainly podiums, I would say, would be a possibility. He needs to beat Valentino over the course of the year because he was giving Valley a good run for his money towards the end of last season. Yeah. That should be a more reasonable yeah. target as far as he I'm needs concerned. to be at yeah. least third best Yamaha. Yeah, yeah, and if he's fourth in the queue, you're always going to be swimming against the tide. That's the problem. And again, we'll have to wait and see what Valentino does in his future. He's not going to bring his own team in yet. He's already confirmed that. If he does stick around in, in the field beyond this year, which we might call the appreciation tour, as RJ pointed out with the 46 in the hashtag, because of course it would. Appreciate 48 tour. Of course. Um, if he does, he'll go to Patronus for 2021. Although Patronus don't even seem all that keen really on having him, which I thought was quite I say, didn't, didn't Patronus openly say they're not interested? Oh, this is Yamaha. Well, I'm like, they'll find a way. Yamaha, they will. They will be interested when the big check clears. Oh, oh yeah, there'll be there'll be a crowbar to the kneecaps like Tonya Harding. Like, uh, like, don't worry. They'll have ways of making them talk, or in this case, mm. sing like a canary. Um, but there's a lot of optimism in the Yamaha camp. Patronus, I've got a very strong team. Yamaha, I've got a very optimistic team for the first time in a while. We're not talking or complaining about their electronics package. For, right. for the- this is the Patronus team that outperformed the factory Yamaha team for much of last year. Yeah. The, so Yamaha have got their ducks lined up in a row. This really has to be the year they show something beyond just the occasional win and like top five consistency. Even if they don't win, they, they can't be, they can't let Marquez win the championship by hundreds of points over them. They need uh, single-handedly is, taking teams championships, single-handedly they, yeah. winning manufacturers championships. What they need to do is show promise. Like give give the shareholders back home something to something to hold on to for 2021 when they're going to be inevitably even stronger in theory. So, yeah, that should be the aim for them going forward. Also, they should also hope that nobody shows up in any of their musical instrument cases. Oh, no. <laughs> Carlos gone do crimes. Also, very good point from Lewis as well. There's also the fact that, you know, because you've got so many great riders on the Yamaha, they might be stealing points away from one another. Oh, it's just like 2016 all over again. Great. Yeah. yeah. They might they may end up taking too many points off each other. That is like that that exactly was what happened in 2016 that led to Marquez winning it three rounds early. Um, that could be a problem going forward. There might be a bit too stacked for Ryder Talent. There there is something to be said that the one two structure has accidentally worked for Honda and Ducati the last few years. Even though Ducati seemed to be doing their best to go against that plan, although Danilo went the other way with that last year. 
Speaking of which, let's talk about Chikati. Um, now... Now with more buttons. Now with the device. Now with more, even more ride height. Like they've they've taken the whole shot device to another level apparently by now having the device that basically lets them alter the ride height at will. Um, which is remember we yeah. said remember what we said about the Mercedes. Yeah, Ducati same energy. Yeah, it's like they've given up the plan they always had of trying to figure out how to make how to get the Desmond Deshi to turn. Yeah, we know it's never gonna turn. We've accepted that fact. So, so let's just make it as fast in a straight line as possible. It's okay so, if the Yamaha beats us out of the corner. So so quick primer. Basically, most teams have, you know, a whole shot device. It, basically an anti-squat device to prevent, you know, the bike from, uh, you know, squatting and getting traction so you can get better traction off the line you know damn well there are motorcycle riders that have used whole shot device as a euphemism for something else <clears throat> but yeah in Ducati popularized that, this um what was it last year in last testing, year. and then yamaha showed up with their own whole shot device in testing this year yeah in addition to that ducati also has a device to cause the bike to purposely squat to make the bike wheelie less Giving them the effect of wings without needing more wings. Crazy stuff. Is it like now you think, you know, how did this get through the rules? It got through the rules last year. Miller was running this in Thailand. Miller actually stalled on the grid trying to play with this thing. <laughs> Again, you could have so, worded that better. <sighs> so generally, oh. uh since twenty ten, MotoGP has banned electronic assisted suspensions. But this falls into a loophole through the fact that it's not electronic. It's it's cable and hydraulically operated. It even has its own hydraulic, its own secondary hydraulic unit on the bike just for this device. Is that why they have, uh, what do they call it on the back of the bike? Is it the, uh, Ducati calls it what, the salad box? <laughs> that got a lot of, yeah, they call it the salad box behind the, uh, basically, on what would be the passenger seat on this bike. Right in front of my salad box. Oh my. <laughs> Again, and, easily, um, like, can, we, can we please, like, phrasing, gentlemen, phrasing, please. Phrasing. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, because there basically aren't any rules for this, they're fine. Yep. And, uh, yeah, as I said, we're never going to get it to turn... So let's just make it as fast in a straight line as we can. Even if the blue bikes are a second ahead of us coming out of the turn, we'll be a second ahead by the end of the straight. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna fucking we're gonna demolish the two hundred twenty mile an hour barrier. Fun fact, in fact, there was a, they already have. There was there was a headwind during the final, like the second day of the Qatar test. Jack Miller hit three hundred and fifty five point two kilometers an hour. You know, in, in Queen's English, that is 222 miles an hour ahead of the official MotoGP speed record. I think Mark Marquez set at this track last year. Um, so, yeah, we're looking at over 220 miles an hour from this Ducati if the wind blows in the right way. Terrifyingly fast. Like five miles an hour more than what they were topping out at, at Mugello last year. We couldn't get a more different bike from the Yamaha. The Yamaha is all the cornering and none of the power. Apex speed. This is yep. all of the power beyond engine power. 
Yeah, for for, for for our Wipeout fans, Yamaha built a Fiasar. Ducati are building a post-Wipeout Pure Piranha. Yeah. Somehow this will all balance out. Somehow. And they've got six bikes to test it out on because they've got three teams. Obviously, the factory team, Andrea De Vizioso sticking around, of course, alongside the little Petrucci in the second year. He's a guy that probably needs to kick on a fair bit for next year. They were quite coy about re-signing their riders. Um, Ducati said, we're not going to sign our guys now. Some of our dudes like to perform better under pressure. Um, if that wasn't a direct shot of Danilo Petrucci, I don't know what is, quite frankly. Because his uh, translation, you cost us the championship, you fuck. <laughs> yeah, basically, there is all the heat on Danilo to avoid him being replaced by Jack Miller for 2021. Because let, let's be honest, Ducati made no secret of the fact they they made big attempts to try and sign. Maverick Vinales, Alex Rins, and Yoan Mir in free agency in the offseason and failed on all three counts. Ducati's old trick of throwing money at the problem and seeing if it goes away when it comes to rider talent didn't work this time round. So, all the top-tier names are pretty much off the table unless someone has a breakout first half of 2020. So... Yeah, it's looking like it's going to be a straight dogfight between Petrix and Miller for the second factory Ducati next season. Again, basically. So uh, that's going to be fun to keep an eye on. Keep an eye on Pekka Banyaya as well on the 63, um, on the second Pramac as well. Who knows, maybe he figures it out this season. He, he started a lot the year with a lot of promise, struggled towards the end, despite the big top five finish towards the end of the year. He, he was taking too much cornering speed for the Ducati to handle. That's a big problem to have. That's, yeah. Sir, you're riding the bike too fast. <laughs> Amazing. What a thing. And of course, keep an eye on the Avintias as well, including the return of one Johan Zarco, ladies and gentlemen. The number five is back. And... Yay. And the crowd goes mild. <laughs> I love that the Johan Zarco single-handedly took one off-season to burn all his goodwill with among, amongst us on this show. Even King, who loves yep. Zarco, is like, yeah, he quit, he quit on my boys. No, 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 he loved him. Changed. He loved him when he was in different colors. As we've mentioned, I believe uh, King is now referring him just as number five for now on. Oh, wow. That, yes, just number that, five. He's not even mentioning him by name anymore. That's that's rough. King is the Skip Bayless in the MotoGP section of the <laughs> M101 is. podcast. As, as, as Lewis pointed out, Zarko's fourth different manufacturer in the last three years. It seems like an eternity ago that he was the next big thing when he was a leading and cutter in a Tech 3. Yeah, um, I had a two-second lead before he binned it in his very first MotoGP race. Um, it's that like somebody could write a book on the political drama that, that Zarko's had to go through since his MotoGP debut. Um, it's uh, it, it would be an extensive 500-page, maybe like Lord of the Rings-style multiple edition version. Um, and uh, he'll be alongside Tito Rabat in on the 53. Good old reliable Tito. Please have a clean year. Please don't like get hurt or anything. I loved. I loved. Tato just very happy to be there, but though he could probably be in a better bike in World Superbikes at this point. Yeah, probably. Mm. But uh, yeah, as, and as mentioned by Lewis, like Zarko will absolutely be gunning for that 2021 factory bike. I just think it's going to be hard to impress on the on the Navintia. We'll have to wait and see. But uh, hey, if if anybody can do it and dig his dig from his big pool of talent, it's Johan Zarko because that's never been the question mark with him. Um, yeah, that's not in question. Yeah. 
Suzuki. The other blue fast team with no straight line speed and all the cornering. The other Fiasar. And the other also poten- potentially another top contender for multiple victories. Suzuki looks good. Suzuki looks really good. And let's not forget they had two wins last year on the table as it is via Alex Rins, um, who won it, who won at Alex, and Silverstone. If Alex Rins, if he fixes his qualifying, he's going to be a problem. If he fixes the qualifying, championship runner-up at least, I would say. Because the race pace with Rins is exceptional. It's up there with the very best. He's apocalyptically fast in race pace. Yeah. If he keeps his nose clean, because he, he has had a knack of making some silly errors in races on occasion as well, like Masala oh, yeah. and the Saxon Ring. Both races he oh, binned yeah. it from top six positions. Saxon Ring he binned it from second during that race weekend. Um, and Out of all that, he was still fourth in the championship. Yeah. It was all bad. Yeah, the, the, the problem is, though, I'm pretty sure that was one place lower than he was the year before. No, uh, it was one place higher because he was ah, fifth yes. in 2018, yes, yeah. second year on the Suzuki, and then 2019 takes the big step forward. Speaking of big steps forward, are we all anticipating Yoan Mir to uh, to finally get that breakthrough result? I think the breakout star of so. the year is on that is on the, is on the 36. I really do. Um, if you talk to the right people in the paddock. Everybody says the same thing. Watch Joanne Mir. He is a superstar in the making. He's just 22. Everyone and their mother has said that Mir is the next big thing, basically. As, as Lewis pointed out, as well as pointed out a minute ago, Ducati wanted him for 2021 for good reason. Everyone that knows riding knows how talented Mir is, basically. We all remember his Moto3 season where he basically beat the brakes off the opposition at times. Um, 10 wins out of 18. Yeah, including a ski Sunday special at Aragon. But um, yes. Uh, Ooh. Still my favorite joke on the, on the M101 Twitter. But uh, yes, this is a team that has got all... Like, I don't like labeling teams as the potential team, but this team screams the potential team more than anything else. If... if and again, this is this is the team we've been waiting to, you know, since they came back to MotoGP, we've been waiting for them to make that breakthrough and become a true, consistent front runner. We have come a long way from Randy the Punier scorching his own ass when that bike first made its return. <laughs> we've come a long, long way here, people. We've come a long way from Maverick Vinales winning in Great Britain for them, and that coming yeah. off as a massive surprise. Yeah, while, you know, every corner he'd pull away, and every straight he'd lose half his gaffes. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, like, if, if, the, if the top speed issues are mitigated just a little bit... They will fly because their cornering speed, their apex, yeah, their chassis, their chassis. Ever since they came back, yeah, their chassis is genuinely, you know, one A, one B with Yamaha. Yeah, and apparently it's getting better. Yeah, that's the thing. That's not been in question with Suzuki. It's always can the riders, can the riders, you know, put it together, and can the engine hold up? Yeah, if the turning and the apex cornering speed on this bike is apparently phenomenal, like they can they can literally dip under on corners, like like where Ducatis can only dream of pointing their front end, like we saw at Sepang last year when Rins got his nose chopped off by Miller, only because the Suzuki can basically just turn so much tighter than any other bike in the field. It, it, it's ridiculous. Um, 
this team has got all the potential in the world to win maybe five or six races next year. Mm. Or this season, I should say. Um, big talent. You know, very, very fast bike. As Lewis pointed out as well, only real weaknesses, Rins qualifying pace and a lack of a whole shot. Um, that might come back to bite them because they don't want to get they don't want to get caught up in the midfield because that's when they'll start losing out. But uh, well, that's the problem for anyone who gets stuck behind a Ducati. You're not passing that Ducati for the rest of the race, especially <laughs> on the bigger power tracks. That's going to be a big problem. Um, it's uh, oh, it is a big issue. Um, so hey, who knows what could happen with that? But it's going to be very fun to see what to see what Suzuki pull out of the hat for 2020. There's a lot of excitement in that camp, and for good reason. Moving on, King's beloved KTM, King. the Orange Gang. Let's go. <laughs> They look. They're okay. Can I compliment your your team on beautiful livery design? I I, I have to say, your bikes look gorgeous. They really do. Um, I I'm I'm impressed. They might actually be good. But look, good look okay. by comparison. Yeah. But like, they look okay. <laughs> they look. They look way better than last year. But then again, yeah. it wasn't really possible to look much worse. But I, th- I think in terms of good for KTM, it's like, hey, we could probably reliably finish in the top nine. Yeah, that should be the eight. Look, top take eight, that. Regular take top that eights. and run with it, King. Yeah. Take that and run <laughs> for the hills. The good thing is you might have two factory riders that can do that now. Yep. Yeah, Paul Spagaro sticks around on the 44, one of the real riders of the year in 2019. People did not talk enough about how fucking brilliant Paul Spagaro was. The Spagaro brothers. The best bad bike riders around. Yeah, like like those two are so good at getting the best out of a bad bike. Polar Spagaro was superb last season on that KTM, dragging that thing to top six finishes and often less than ten seconds off the win. Like when KTM is dialed he in, he made Johan Pol- Zarco leave town. Yeah. <laughs> he got a podium in Valencia. He got a podium in La Villa. Oh my god! How did I forget about that? Yeah. Yes, that did that happen. Did happen. <laughs> they do. They did have a wet podium at Valencia in twenty end of twenty eighteen. Um, like, but that's they, remember they had a dry front row start at Misano last year, and everybody went bonkers, and, and rightly so. Paul Spagaro is such a brilliant rider. I've said this for years. I've, I've said this since the middle of his Tech Three days. The man is a beast, and and, and I can't believe Yamaha never cashed in the factory contract they had with him to, to ride one of the big boy bikes at some point. I can't believe that Maverick just came in and swiped it from under his nose because Paul Spagro is super good and he's a gem in that KTM lineup. And now they've brought in the Lord. Lord Bender has Bender. arrived. <laughs> the Four Lord is here. last six races. I've been waiting for years for Brad Bender to be on a 
factory KTM and MotoGP. I, I, and in early testing, he's crushing <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, in the top 10 on the final day of testing, power sliding that bad boy, because that's the only way Brad Binder knows how to ride a motorcycle. That... <laughs> That bike was custom made for him. Yeah, we 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 say this from a position of bias on this show. We love Brad Binder here. We really do. From our bike live days to the fact that he is one of the most wholesome and likable people in all of bike racing. Like he's the sort of guy I've said it before. Where we interviewed him on Bike Live a couple of years ago, he thanked us for the interview. He's that nice a bloke. He's just like it's just he's disgustingly nice. He's a super fast rider. Everybody loves him. Can Brad Binder get a couple of, like, sneaky top sixes in there, please? That would be fucking great. I'd love it. I think it's possible. It's, I yeah. really think it's possible. I, I don't know what... I don't know if it's just the atmosphere, but damn. It really looks like KTM could make a massive leap forward. Not just the factory team, but Tech 3 as well. Because uh, Miguel Oliveira is probably thinking, hey, maybe I should have been in line for that factory seat, and I've got something to prove here, too. Absolutely. Look, mm. it, it was not spoken about enough just how excellent Miguel Oliveira was last season in, as a rookie on a KTM bike that did not want to play ball. And I, it was hard. If, if, if Objectively, it was hard not to have empathy with Miguel given, you know, just... He probably should have gotten that second KTM bike based off last year. Didn't get it. Binder jumped the queue. And Miguel was visibly not happy. Uh, he made it public. He was not happy that he was glossed over for that seat. So, hey, if Miguel Oliveira is your plan B, then... Uh, <laughs> you're in pretty good shape. For rider talent, you're in, you're, you're in a good house. Um, like, you know, you've got talent there in the... In, in the camp, Akilakwona, still a bit of an unknown quantity in the top flight yet. We'll see how he shakes out, but uh, it's an exciting KTM rider lineup. The bike looks a bit more feasible than compared to last year. They should be thinking probably regular top tens at this point. They have. I really to. should. With the sheer amount of money KTM is throwing at this, with the amount of rider talent they have, with all that Red Bull money tens. they're getting too, with all that Red Bull money. I, know, yeah, I think they're like saving the, the Red the, Bull money. The only thing I'm worried about is the fact that it's always a technical arms race, and it's a moving target. Yeah, Just because absolutely. KTM got faster doesn't mean other teams also got faster. Speaking of which... Paul Spagaro claims well, his race pace at Qatar was a second a lap faster than last year, according to the Discord chat and a certain someone in there. He, he claims it might be yeah. a second a lap quicker. If that, if that is true, look good. out. This time, hopefully, they won't have to start yanking engine-mounting bolts out of the bike to make it flex better. Yeah, here's hoping. Tread a chassis for the win, apparently. Um, speaking of which, that moving target might be yanked further away because they're not the only factory spouting big claims and big gains. Aprilia. Now, in um, the oof. internal politics are a mess, and we'll get to that in a minute, but... Alicia Spagaro was gushing about how much better this new Aprilia RSV this, is. But visibly, infinitely better, everywhere. It looks like Aprilia has made a, a significant breakthrough um, for this year. And uh, Yeah, as, as I said in the past recordings, the only team this year with what is basically a brand new bike. Yeah. They and it showed, because... Mm. Uh, well, Aleish was showing podium-level pace on long runs. Very, very fast indeed. Very smooth. As, as Cam pointed out, visibly faster compared to the 
the uh, shitbox that the last year's bike was. Uh, Are we back to Grassini Honda levels of uh, of greatness out of this team? Mm. What, what what was the quote in the past? You can only polish a turd so much. <sighs> yeah. He said that in public well, and got away with it last year. I don't know how, but he did. But, uh, yeah. Yeesh. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a lot of excitement in the Aprilia camp, especially for Malicia Spagaro. However... <laughs> there's always... There's always a but. Things are fine. Just ask to Spargaro, who told Simon Patterson. It is super disrespectful. I've had many teammates at Aprilia, and I've never had a problem with any of them. I feel like I've always been good friends with all of them, including Andre Anoti. But with what he said, that's the end of our good relationship, because it was very disrespectful to my engineers and my mechanics for Bradley Smith and me. He used all my settings for all last season, and 90% of sessions he was behind me. So it's not fair for him to continue to say this. But we know how he is. I'll continue with my lifestyle, and he can continue with his. Andre Iannone came out, and first of all, it's amazing that he was in the press session because, um, well, previously mentioned... Apparently it was a surprise uh, attendance. A a surprise attendance. It's kind of amazing that he was there, considering mm, recent events around Andre Iannone. (sighs) For... But he basically took all the credit for the bike and said, it was built exactly to my specifications. Andrea, do you no. do yourself no favors? He doesn't at all. Look, it, a, some on Twitter have been saying that the upside of Iannone is more, it is, it's worth the downsides. No! Not if he's going to be banned no, for four years. No, it's not! The honest, this is ridiculous. The law of diminishing returns on Ian only expired about two years ago, I reckon. It doesn't matter how talented he is, and he is very talented, when he keeps saying dumb shit and doing dumb shit. Look, let's, let's, look, let's put it to you this way. There is a serious chance he was on PEDs last season, and he still was significantly worse than Alicia Spagaro. He got destroyed! So, what does that tell you that if a guy that... Has got a serious chance, has failed the drug test, so, you know, again, has a serious chance that he was on PEDs this past season and was significantly slower than Alicia Spagaro. Another guy who has been criticised in the past for maybe not being the best rider in the world when given decent opportunities, right? Spagaro is a guy that has been criticised in his own right, um, and Ian only was significantly worse, and as Lewis points out, Iannone is basically not popular in the paddock enough as it is because he was a leecher. He was always following people around on his bike, trying to get toes and drafts off other people constantly. For the sake of discussion, we will be preparing our Aprilia section of our season preview as if Bradley Smith is there because that's pretty much what we're anticipating. Yeah, Bradley Smith is is, is replacing Iannone, quote, until further notice, until they get clarification on Iannone's future. So again, once the uh, again once the trial regarding yeah. his failed drug well, test and the re- there, there's one of two outcomes: either Iannone, after talking all that shit, is sent careening out of the sport never to be heard from again from a four-year ban or he's basically public enemy number one within the aprilia camp as far as alicia spargo is concerned honestly i'd just take the contract buyout at this point and continue yep. to be an instagram thirst trap <laughs> yep. for for all of his talent as i said he is extremely talented there was a time when we we had to ask did ducati drop the wrong guy 
But uh, we're not answering. We're not this, asking that question anymore. Yeah, we're not answering. We're not asking that question that was anymore a case because you make back for then, the four or five, then. for the four or five great rides he'll do per year. The rest of the year he'll be behind his teammate, leeching off of his settings, and generally doing dumb things like a taking PEDs or b having plastic surgery, and suddenly his helmet doesn't fit anymore. Remember that one? We'll always <sighs> have Phillip Island twenty fifteen. Simpler times, happier times. Talk about throwing away everything handed to you. Yeah, that's the thing. The Aprilia bike looks really good. I, I, I like that. Like in like for the the most optimistic Aprilia has been maybe in four or five years in MotoGP, and they still ha- have to find a way to make again a Horlicks of it. Um, because that's the Aprilia way. They can't go a year without some sort of controversial drama. Look, if Iker Laquona or Bradley Smith is the least effective line rider on your grid, you have a good grid. I would anticipate Bradley Smith to make the most of this chance. The new rider for hire, Bradley Smith, as we need to name him on this show now. <laughs> mm. oh. Not only petrol, but electric as well. Yes, yes indeed. He gets around a bit, a bit about our Bradders. We, we, we love Bradders on this show. Um, so, yes, good to see Bradley Smith back where he belongs in the top flight. As far as I'm concerned, he should never have lost his job in the first place. God damn it. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> As we put that, Smith's Moto E-Ride might be available all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Yeesh. Um, so, we'll, so that's the that's the grid in its full capacity. Um, for those guys who have not seen it, a quick rundown. Aprilia, Iannone, and Brad, like Iannone on hiatus potentially. Alicia Spagger and Bradley Smith. Avintia, Johan Zarco, and Tito Rabat. Mission win now. I forgot that's still a thing with Ducati. Uh, Ducati team, Andrea Davizioso and Danilo Petrucci. Pramac Racing with Jack Miller and Francisco Bagnaia. LCR Honda with Takanaka Gami and Cal Crutchlow. The Repsol Honda factory team with Alex and Mark Marquez. Uh, Red Bull factory KTM. Brad Binder and Paul Espagaro. Um, the Tech 3 team, Ike Laquona and Miguel Oliveira. Team Suzuki X-Star with Joanne Mir and Alex Rins. Monster Energy Yamaha for, the, uh, for Maverick Vinales. And the final year of Valentino Rossi is a fully-fledged satellite Yamaha rider. And Patronus Yamaha with number 20, Fabio Quattararo, and number 21, Frankie Morbidelli. I'm looking forward to that inevitable MotoGP season preview entry list video that comes out every year. That's my favorite part of the season. I love it. Uh, can't wait for that. Um, so much good gift material. Oh. On the calendar, we have the largest calendar. 20 races in 2020. The Kaimi Ring is here. Uh, the the first Finnish Grand Prix and since 1982, everything else stays potentially if we don't get COVID 19 Yeah, yeah. Um, more on that probably later in the season we'll because we'll know more by then. As it stands, the Finnish Grand Prix July 12th. Ooh, yep. am, 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 and... am, am I allowed to say that on on the air, Lewis? I don't want to get you. I don't want to drop you in the shit. Yeah, okay, All right, fair enough, good. guys. Apparently... Our, our uh, resident insider information, breaking news. Please credit Motorsport 101. Yes. Apparently, <laughs> overhaul for the TV package this year. All new TV graphics for 2020. I'm looking forward to that because Dawn's the best By the way, for that. And Americans, finally, you can watch it on TV. Yes! Finally, yes! we have a TV contract. All right. Yes, you can watch. A, a you real can watch one. MotoGP on the networks of NBC. Beautiful. I know it's taped delayed. We but can it's on go a real home. TV. It's on a real TV channel, even if it is tape delayed. I don't mind it. 
it's an improvement. It's, it's way better than what we had. Yes. Indeed. Um, quick, before we get into some bold predictions to wrap up this show and also our season preview in general, um, quick discussions about Moto Two and Three. Running down the Moto Two and Moto Three fields uh, real quick. Um, American Racing, Joe Roberts and Marcos Ramirez making his debut in <coughs> Two. Marcos Ramirez might be one to watch, certainly. Uh, Liquid Molly intact. We've got number 12, Thomas Luti, the gatekeeper, is back for another year on the number 12 bike alongside his teammate Marcel Schrotter. Um, Sam Lowe's on Augusto Fernandez at Mark VDS. That's, that could be a very formidable team indeed. Sam Lowe's um, at Mark VDS got alongside Augusto Fernandez, who was one of the real gems of 2019. A guy that maybe should have won the championship by the end, but uh, that'll be one to keep an eye on. Uh, Grissini, Nicolo Bulliger, and Edgar Pons. Nicolo Bulliger, I hope he can put together a full season. Um, but, uh, the Pons team as well, at number seven, Renzo Baldazari is back alongside Hector Garzo. Um, Inimitsu Team Asia with, uh, I'm going to put just a name, Andy Farad Idazar and uh, Somikat Chantra back there as well. Um, Italtrans, Lorenzo Dalla Porta and Anea Bastianini. Mmm, that is a tasty Italian, all, all Italian team there to say the least. Looking forward to seeing how well Dalla Porta gets on, certainly the uh, Moto3 champion. Um, Remy Gardner and Kashima Daniel Kashmailin as well at the uh, SAG team. Remy Gardner could be one to watch as well, certainly for next season as well on the 87. Um, a Patrona sprint racing, Jake Dixon and Xavi Vierge. Vierge should be another guy in the mix for 2020. Skyd's racing team, VR46. They have a new lineup as well. Luca Marini, but now Marco Bezzecchi is his teammate on the 72 bike. Um, Has anyone ever mentioned that Luca Marini's <laughs> Valentino Rossi's half-brother? <laughs> Yeah, Lu I'm in full agreement with Lewis. Bez is going to be one to watch this season. Absolutely. Um, and to be fair, he's not my title pick. I'm getting to him in my next team. Rebel KTMIO, Tetsuya Nagashima, and Jorge Martin. And I think Jorge Martin is going to smash the glass ceiling this year. I really do think he'll win the championship. Mark it down. Um, MV Augusta. God, I love seeing MV Augusta back in the moment too. This is great. I love their chassis. Their bikes are beautiful. Simone Corsi and Stefano Manzi. That very popular team. Um, NCS, RW with Jesko Raffin and Bo Benchneider. The Aspar team of Aaron Kennett and Afi Siren back in Moto2. Um, and the Speed Up Boys, the main factory Speed Up team. Speed Up Racing with Jorge Navarro and Fabio Antonio. Now, that is a strong team as well. It's Speed Up um, as well. So... This could be another Moto Two season, lads, where it could be eight to ten names in the mix automatically. Yeah, I like that. I like seeing that. I, I always like getting chances, uh, you know, basically to be sold on uh, seeing some of the uh, the lower and intermediate classes. Um, Moto Two was, was obviously it was a really interesting title fight with uh, Alex Marquez dominating for the balance and then almost ch chucking it away at the end. Uh, you've got some veteran guys. You've got some guys that are stepping up. Some names that could really break the glass ceiling. I love that we mentioned um, all this, and, and Thomas Luti might end up winning the title this year. <laughs> oh yeah, and Thomas Luti is there, the, the, the great keep, the gatekeeper. If you're if you're better than Thomas Luti, you're probably really good at this whole bike racing thing. Like that's like the sign right there. But uh, anyone want to pick a name? Ah, oh, goodness. That's a very good question. I'm, I'm, um, I'm saying Jorge Martin. I'm with Dre on this one. L yeah, I think I think it's gonna be Martin's. Lewis says Augusto Our insider Fernandez. Tip. 
our insider tips Augusto Fernandez. Um, DG from from Steve as well. DG's another one that it, if DG gets his shit together, DG can oh DG, DG can go absolutely. Um, that's a very came solid close to a couple of wins last yeah, year. He, came agonizingly close. He probably should have won at Misano. You know, in all in all fairness, in all fairness. Um, oof. Is it is rookie of the year basically Delaporte is to lose at this point? Probably. Mm. I mean, probably I would say it, it, he's certainly heavy favorite. Maybe Aaron Cannett, as Lewis mentioned as well, Cannett at, at the Aspar team at speed on the speed up chassis. Cannett looked very fast in testing as well. Also, for the Americans, what's the over under on Joe Roberts breaking double digit points this season? Under, give me uh... the under. <laughs> <laughs> This isn't this isn't filling me with much confidence. Again, this is why we're adopting Mark and now it's Marquez as honorary Americans. <laughs> really? <laughs> we, we've done this for a while to be yeah, fair. I mean, Coda basically is his home track. This isn't yeah. Along with the Saxon ring. Along with the Saxon ring. And Thailand. And Argentina. Indeed. Should we have a quick look at Moto 3 real quick? Hell yeah, let's Hell do yeah. it. Hell yeah, down basically as Lewis pointed out in the chat, picking a winner here. Fuck no, this is the answer to that question. Um Here's the teams in order. Estrella Galicia, Rivayusi Yamanaka, and Sergio Garcia, not the golfer, um, on the number 11 bike. Yes, that joke is still going to be a thing, and I'm going to ride it for all it's worth. Um, Honda Team Asia... We could have phrased that better, <laughs> Well played, boys. Well played. It's fine. <laughs> you got me there. Well played. Uh, Honda Team Asia with Ayagura and Yuki Kuni. Um, the Cumberland Grassini team with uh, Gabby Rodrigo and Jeremy Alcoba. Um, Leopard with Jao Messia and Dennis Foggia. Again, that's probably going to be the team to watch. Um, the Patronus team with uh, John McPhee, who I want his agent because I don't know how he keeps blagging this shit. But John McPhee alongside the Rain God himself. Carry uh, Edam Powie, ladies and gentlemen. Who doesn't love the Rain God being back in Murder Free? Can we get some wet races, please? Just have Powie out on slicks and he wins by half a minute. It's the best part of the season. Um... In the SIC 58 team with Nikolo Antonelli and Tatsuki Suzuki back for another year. The Snipers team, number 12, Philippe Salak and Tony Arbolino um, on the 12 and the 14. On the uh, Sterile Guard and Max Racing team, because Hux is back, everybody. Uh, good to see them. Alonso Lopez and Romano Fanati, King's new favorite rider, because hey, it's all the KTM family. <laughs> Sorry, King, he's your problem now. Yes. <laughs> 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 You'll take him on for the team here. Uh, the Skull Rider team with Davide Pizzoli and Ricardo Rossi. CIP with everyone's favorite barge pole, Darren Binder, is back, everybody. Um, and Maximilian Koffler on the 73. The Aspar team with Alba Terenas and Stefano Nepa. Uh, Vintia, just the one bike with Carlos Tatai on the 99. Red Bull KTM IO with Raul Fernandez and Kaito Toba. Uh, Red Bull KTM Tech 3 with Dennis Onshu and Ayumu Sasaki. Remember, his brother Chan is now on the Super Sport ladder. Look at how he got that gig. Friggin' Turkish family. You got to love to see it. <laughs> the Caxbert Bristol team with uh, Jason Disbesquire and Dirk Geyser. And the Sky Racing VR46 team with Celestino Vietti and Andrea Migno on the 13 and 16 bikes, respectively. Pick one out of those ones, feathers. <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, I'm with, I'm with uh, Serbi on this one. <laughs> <laughs> I like Jao Messia. I think Tony Arbolino is probably favourite on paper going in. 
I was actually I was gonna go with Arbolino. I I th- I think it could be Arbolino's year. I think Vietti's one to watch. <laughs> certainly, tough one this um, year. Very tough one this year. I like how little chill Tatsuki Suzuki had. If nothing else, Zero. I think he's gonna win more than the one race. Mentioned Arbolino was pretty poor in testing, but again, as reckon they reckon he will come good, and I I agree. I think Arbolino will get it together by the time we actually turn wheels in anger. Um, but and it's Moto Three, so you know that even if the championship does turn out to be a bit of a runaway affair, the racing is almost always going to be good and close. It's going to be epic. If you if you are new to the show. Go watch Moto3. You thank me later, okay? You're going to get, like, leading groups of 15 people beating the shit out of each other for 35 minutes for our entertainment. Um, it's like Celebrity Deathmatch, only better, on and on bikes. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Check that out if you haven't already, especially if you're in the, in the States. I know you guys said to us, because, hey, you can actually watch this now. It's great. You will love it. Um, that will just about do it. Before we go... Any bold predictions, fellas? Lay your nuts on the table. We've only got three rookies between uh, Bender, Laquona, and Alex. Um, I know Alex is best positioned to score the most points, but I think Bender is going to be the pound-for-pound rookie of the year. Oh my god, KTM's bringing home a trophy. Oh god. Mm. (laughs) Keep up that same energy later in the season, King. I, I, I said it earlier. Joe, I'm here to win a race. Uh, mm. Is this Valentino Rossi's last season? No, definitely not. The way, no. the way he's been, the way he's been talking, it doesn't sound like a retirement plan to me. He wouldn't be, he wouldn't even be whispering about Patronus if this was a man that was going to retire at the end of the season. Though I, I think it's him coming to the realization he won't be getting that tenth championship. I don't think he'll ever be truly at peace with that personally. But hey. Woof. Maybe he won't have a choice nah. if Yamaha. But the thing is, though, what's the point? Because Yamaha will give him full factory support anyway. So, but then he's got to beat multiple other riders on the same bike as him, who are all in their prime. Who has a better chance of winning this year, KTM or Aprilia? I was about to get to that. Don't don't put me in this place, RJ. I'd say I got a prediction. I'd say KTM PD on riding talent. I think Alicia Spargo gets three podiums this year. Three. Mm-hmm. Mm. Are you high? One of them could be a film. <laughs> One would be lofty. Three. I am on a Luck. lot of medicine right now, so. Thankfully, uh, thankfully, there's plenty on the other side of the Aprilia camp if you need it. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no podiums for the other side of the garage. Um, Ducati <laughs> 2021 will comprise of Andrea Davizioso and Miller Blank. Miller. Miller. It's Miller time. I think I think Petrix is uh, I think Petrix dug himself into a bit too deep of a hole at the end of last season. Personally, I think it's going to take a lot to climb out of it. He was great at the start of the year, but he but, faded badly after the summer break. He faded so badly that they got beat single-handedly to the team's championship. Um, who wins more races, Maverick or Fabio? I would still Quartararo. Quartararo. I, I would still say Maverick. Yeah, I'm going to go with Maverick I, on this one. Maverick still has a genuine X factor when it comes to outright speed and late race pace. If he, if Maverick can get to the yeah. front of the field and control and dictate the pace of a race, he's, he's incredibly hard to beat. Um, how many different winners do we get in the first X number of races? Um, Zane is picking uh, six. 
six different riders win the first six races. Rins, Mark, Maverick, Rossi, Miller, and Corderaro. I don't yeah. necessarily... For context, for context, the first I... six rounds are Qatar, Thailand, Cota, Argentina, um, Jaref, and Le Mans. I, I think we'll get five different winners in the first eight races. I think somebody's going to repeat during that time span. Three. I don't think it's going to be that high. I mean, Marquez around Coda and Argentina is kind of a given. I think we'll get four and Marquez will win the rest of it. Four in the first eight. Hmm. I I'm don't know. Lewis. I'm with Lewis three. I think... I think Maverick and Fabio might steal a win before 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 we get to the, the, the chunk of the European season. That's like they the whoever's gonna be out here winning these races, they kind of have to they have to get their wins out of the way before Mark is back to strength and Honda gets their bike under control. Which I guess leads us to our championship picks. You know where I'm going with this. Hmm? Same. Same. MM93. It might. It's not going to be by nearly as many races or look as easy as last year, but come on. Come on. King, <laughs> I know you're silent right now in the corner. No, <laughs> King. Come on, King. I, come on. I'm the, the only one. Who, Go on. I, I feel like one of the Yamaha riders. No, no, you're not chicken out of this see. one. Which one? Pick one. Pick one right now. <sighs> I think it's Fabio. I think. Oh my goodness! King, I had the I had the most out there prediction, and that just sent it flying. (laughs) Like I I think Fabio is going to outperform both Maverick and Mark and win the championship. King, I'm going to dunk on you from a great height by the time we get to October. (laughs) Okay, um, is this? But if this. But if this cash is in, what are Fabio's championship odds for reference at this stage? Nine to two, I believe. This, this is... And our resident insider is picking Maverick for the title. It's like I, I, I want Lewis's like, do it. Lewis, put your job on the line, all right? <laughs> I, I'm coming. I'm coming to Spain. <laughs> okay. I think Mark. I think Mark takes the title with two rounds to spare. I think it goes to the final round. Because the thing is with Yamaha is that you're gonna have. Two, potentially three, if Valentino's up there, riders taking points off of each other. And even if Mark starts the year off slow because of his shoulder, we saw it last year. The man doesn't have bad races. Yeah. And if he's Maverick. if he's crippled to the point where he can't ride the Honda to wins, he'll take the podium. That's the thing. Like I I totally get the Maverick pick. It's a solid pick. I've been telling people if you want the value pick, you go Maverick for not at nine to two betting wise. Because Mark Marquez is eight to fifteen. He's not worth touching and waiting for like seven months to to to, to win an eight to fifteen bet. It's not worth the value. But what I was gonna say is that Maverick has the only thing that's stopping me here is that Maverick has not put together a full title campaign, and that's what worries me. That, that's kind of the thing with, and the thing is, he's not even come close yet. That's the problem. He's not. He's been yeah, nowhere the, the near. Heights, that's the scary. The part. peaks and the troughs. The peaks for Marquez are wins. The troughs are second place. Right. He, that's that's unbeatable over a season. It's a massive leap. Like Maverick might need three hundred and fifty points to give Marquez a fight, and, and that's and a even big, if Marquez's shoulder thing. is shot, mm. even if his shoulder is shot to start the year, what's the worst Mark's realistically gonna finish? Fifth or sixth? That's every couple of rounds with Maverick. I will, I will say this: 
like last year was the first year I stopped being nervous about Mark bidding it during a race. Because he just didn't do it. He didn't have a, a crash in a race last season that was his fault. And that's yeah, going the one to... crash he had was when his engine failed in uh, Coda. I said it two years ago. On, I said it two, three years ago on Bike Live. If he figures out how to stop crashing in races, cancel Christmas. It's over, basically. So, like, I, I can't talk myself into picking Maverick for the title. But if you want a value pick at eight, at like compared to Marquez, again, that's like eight to fifteen is stupid, is stupid money. Maverick at nine to two is probably the value yeah, pick. I'm not convinced yeah, on Fabio it, yet. Um, I predict if it isn't Mark, it will be Maverick. Yeah, but it's. It's the fact watch out, that watch how Dovi things finishes in second again, just to shit it up again. Like, yeah, yeah I was about to say, <laughs> Ducati has like two or three wins on the year guaranteed because they built an intercontinental ballistic missile. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bank around. Guessing for our, for our, for our Marquez selectors, how many hands rounds in hand does he win it with? One. I, th- I Tops. think two. You I know what? Two. I think it might go the distance this year. Hmm. I think that the again that X factor with Marquez is that even if he's not reeling off wins at the pace like last year, he's gonna point you to death across the year. Yeah, like where where's the holes in his game? He doesn't have any at this point. And and that's and another factor is that we talk about bank rounds. Marquez has at least three. Yep. And we know there's two or three tracks where the Yamaha is just junk at. Because it doesn't have the power. Austria, for example. Yeah, Austria, Ducati, and Honda are going to slap the field. It's going to be damage limitation. Yeah. Marquez doesn't really have damage limitation rounds anymore. His damage limitation round last year was Qatar. He finished second by half a bike. Yeah. We shall see. But uh, the first round at Qatar next weekend. I cannot wait. It's going to be a very, very exciting season. March 8th, Qatar, the opening round. And then this weekend, even by the time you're probably listening to this, you got more bikes. Superbike World Championships is back, y'all. Philip Island, everybody, for the World Superbike season opener. Jonathan Ray versus the world, seconds out round six, basically. Which is roughly about one round longer than Deontay Wilder should have lasted this past weekend. <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, hey, it's looking like it could be Jonathan Ray v. Scott Redding. Top racks in the mix as well on the Yamaha. Very fast in Phillip Island. It's a bit of a neutralizing sort of circuit um, for World Superbikes anyway. So, if you're going to get a, f- a very fun opener, um, it will most likely be a very fun opener at Phillip Island this weekend. Certainly worth your time. British Euro Sport for you UK listeners out there. Give it a listen. And tell Greg Haynes I sent you, because he's a good guy, and we love him on this show. So, you know, say hi to the guys at British Euro Sport. They're great, and it's going to be a fun time. And, uh, yeah, a lot of, of a change up down the field. A very fast new Honda Fireblade to keep an eye on. Top rack in a factory Yamaha should be uh, very fun. I love that Lewis is chapped in and did capital letters. Go top! Sykes, um, yeah. it's the Yorkshire in it. World Superbikes <laughs> will have a partial schedule on the networks of NBC with Hareth, Assen, Imola, Catalonia, and Argentina. Make some good rounds, Again, to be fair. Way better than nothing, and way better than what and we had before. And they some very good oh, rounds. Yeah. Like that's a that's a, a good a good plethora of rounds they've picked out there. We get to le- we get to see just how bad Jonathan Ray will slap the field live on television. <laughs> Don't forget this weekend, we've also got the Marrakesh at Marrakesh, the Marrakesh E-Prix. Also, 
Ooh, yes. NASCAR. Joey Logano won in Las Vegas. But who cares about that? <laughs> Ryan Newman is continuing his recovery. He was he was Hell back yeah. at the factory today, apparently, and he got a stand innovation from the team, so that was nice to see. So, he better have shaken the hands of every single person who built that car for him. Oh my yeah. goodness. That could basically survive a nuclear war at this point. Um, <laughs> Jesus, what a Yeesh. car. <laughs> what a car, and delightful to see uh, Neiman back on And we're not talking about the nuclear wars started by terrible New England sports firms on social media. Hey! Makes a change. Makes a change indeed. Should we wrap this up, boys? Hell yeah. I think we should. Basically, you can find us one more time. YouTube.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Facebook.com forward slash Motorsport 101. Twitter at Motorsport underscore 101. Um, you could follow us all at Harrison101HD, at CBuckley917, at RJ O'Connell, at Ryan Eric King. And go follow Lewis Sutterby. He's had a fantastic part of this season preview as well, at Lewis Sutterby23. Uh, go follow him and tell him we sent you. Um, he's a gem, and uh, we, we thank him very much for taking part behind Dawn's back. <laughs> thanks, Lewis. Much appreciated, sir. Um, um, thanks for all the support, as always. Sir. And he edited last week's show as well, so massive thanks to him as well. Much appreciated, um, as always. Always. Basically, you can find us one more time as well. Motorsport.com101.com and our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash motorsport101. Um, as well as. Uh, I lost, my, I lost my train of thought for a second there. $5 gets you early access to our, all our shows. $10 gets you into our support squad of our Discord servers. Listen to these shows live as they go out. Thanks to everybody in the Discord that listened in. There's like half a dozen of you. There's too many names to mention. But thank you all for listening in. Much appreciated as ever. We'll be back next week to preview the 2020 Formula 1 season. Full of optimism in the air. Yeah, see, exactly. <laughs> we'll be back next week. Oh, so for him, me, Andre Harrison, <laughs> Ryan King, <laughs> Cam Buckley, and RJ O'Connell. I've been Andre Harrison. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week. Next week, that's, that's nice to say, isn't it? Sayonara. Later, y'all. But not too much later. Bye. Optimism, he calls it. But seriously, guys, we're shatters. Brings a whole new meaning. And on to that my, note, it, it, you killed me. No, no, uh, it, it brings a whole new meaning to King's new favorite hashtag, which I'm not going to debut on social media later. Hashtag up the chatters. <laughs>